News of the Times. History News Short. Stories of the Resurrectionists, also known as Grave Robbers. As our regular listeners will know, there is a big difference between being a burqa and being a resurrectionist or grave robber. Burkas, named after the infamous serial killers Burke and Hare, actually murdered unfortunates who strayed in their path. Alternatively, resurrectionists actually dug up dead bodies from graves in order to meet the growing demand for cadavers as medical schools and medical sciences boomed. We start this episode from a chronicle from the Newgate Calendar, December 1777. John Holmes and Peter Williams, publicly whipped by the sentence of the Middlesex Court of Quarter Sessions for December 1777 for stealing dead bodies. The robbers were vulgarly called in London resurrection men, but rather should have been called sacrilegious robbers of our holy church, not even confining the unnatural crimes to men alone. The gentler sex were connected in this horrid traffic, whose business it was to strip off the shroud or whatever garments in which the body might have been wrapped, and sell them, while the men, through the darkness of a night, dragged the naked bodies to be anatomized. When Hunter, the famous anatomist, was in full practice, he had a surgical theatre being his house in Windmill Street, where he gave lectures to a very numerous class of pupils. To this place, such numbers of dead bodies were brought during the winter season that the mob rose several times and were upon the point of pulling down his house. He had a well dug in the back of his premises, whereupon was thrown the putrid flesh, with it alkalines, in order to hasten the consumption thereof. Nevertheless, were the instances of dead bodies seized to be carried to the surgeons, hackney coachmen for an extra fare, and porters with hampers, were often employed by the resurrection men for this purpose. A monthly publication in March 1776 says, The remains of more than twenty bodies were discovered in a shed in Tottenham Court Road, supposed to have been deposited there by traders to the surgeons, of whom there is one, it is said, in the borough, who makes an open profession of dealing in dead bodies, and is well known by the name of the Resurrectionist. Still more shocking, it has been told that the men who were paid for protecting the sacred deposits of the mortal remains of their fellow parishioners were often confederates with those carcass-stealers, as the present case will demonstrate. Holmes, the principal villain in this case, was gravedigger at St George's Bloomsbury. Williams was his assistant, and a woman named Esther Donaldson was an accomplice. They were all indicted for stealing the dead body of Mrs. Jane Sainsbury, who departed this life on the 9th of October. 
then last passed, and the corpse was interred into the burying ground of St. George's on the Monday following. They were detected before they could secure their booty, and the widower determined, however unpleasant, to prosecute them. In order to their conviction, he had undergone the mental pain of viewing and identifying the remains of his wife. The grave digger and his deputy were convicted on the fullest evidence, and it was regretted that it did not reach the woman, though no doubt remained of her equal guilt. She, therefore, was released, but Holmes and Williams were sentenced to six months' imprisonment and to be whipped twice on their bare backs from the end of Kingsgate Street, Holborn, to Deot Street, St. Giles, being half a mile, which was inflicted with the severity due to so detestable an offence through crowds of exulting spectators. From that earlier recorded case of grave robbing in 1777, we move into the diary of a resurrectionist, written by Joseph Naples, re-released in 1899. One of the most gruesome of books ever written was assuredly the diary of a resurrectionist, which contains the actual records as written out day to day by a resurrectionist named Joseph Naples, son of a bookbinder, then a sailor, next a grave digger at the Sparfields burial ground. From here, he was enticed to join an adventurous crew of resurrection men. The actual diary, which forms rather creepy reading, tells how, night after night, Naples and his companions visited the graveyards in and around London for their gruesome business, with the intervals when one of the others of the gang was too drunk to go out. One entry in the diary reads, Friday, 10th of December, 1811, intoxicated all day, at night went out and got five bodies. Burnhill Row, Jack almost buried. Other entries read, went down to St. Thomas's, got paid eight pounds eight shillings for two adults. Another got seven large and three small bodies, took two over to St. Guy's. The diary entries are short and non-emotional. Came home to St. Ben, settled fourteen pounds six shillings each man. Got up at two, me and Jack and Bill went to Burnhill Row and got three bodies. Received four pounds and four shillings for adults. Went to look out, came home, went to the play, came home to the Rockingham Arms, got drunk. Besides supplying the hospitals, Naples and his crew did a good deal of exporting business by sending off bodies to Scotland, as can be seen by such entries as packed four and sent them to Edinburgh. Saturday 5th. Remained at Bartholomew packing up for Edinburgh. Sent 12 to the wharf for Edinburgh. 
as police were instructed to keep an eye out for the resurrectionists, stories such as the following mistake occurred. From the Public Ledger and Daily Advertiser, December 1814. Yesterday, a person named Price was examined on suspicion of having been at the resurrection of the dead in a neighbouring churchyard in Aldermanbury. The prisoner was stopped by a constable at a late hour on the preceding evening in company with a female who was giving him some sort of direction about the disposal of a subject which he had in his possession. The constable, who watched the movements of the prisoner and his co-adjutor, was dreadfully assailed by the intolerable stench which issued from the sack. Upon opening it, he discovered, to his horror, the mortal remains of a reverend seer, who appeared from the puridity of his carcass to have departed this life many weeks hence. He accordingly took the supposed resurrectionist into custody, but the lady escaped. It was validated later that the corpse had been legally disinterred for private operations to be formed on by one of the surgeons, and the said Mr. Price was released without charge. Resurrectionists or grave robbers were regarded with horror, quite understandably, from the general populace. This story from 1818 described the upset perfectly. From the News Time, London, 1818, Resurrectionists. Between four and five on Sunday morning, a chase cart driven by one man and followed on foot by six others was observed by Constable Wilkinson, the night constable of St. Saviour's. Suspecting that something was wrong, he attempted to stop the horse for the purpose of searching the cart, but the men on foot prevented any near approach to the vehicle. The party at last stopped in front of St. Thomas's Hospital, and three sacks containing something of a bulky appearance were conveyed from the cart into the hospital by the driver of the cart, and the five men who had followed on foot. They then immediately drove off in a hasty manner. The night constable the following day stated what had occurred, and a report circulated through the borough. Upon more particular inquiry, it was ascertained that the body of Miss M, which had been interred some seven days previously, had been torn from the grave. The friends and relations of the deceased, together with the friends of several other persons who had recently in interred in the burial grounds in the London Road, proceeded to that place on Tuesday evening. Attended by several constables, they commenced opening the graves of those persons who had been recently interred, and in the space of a few minutes, four coffins were found to contain nothing but stones and dirt. The horror and indignation felt by the surviving relations and friends cannot be described. The whole neighbourhood became alarmed. 
Husbands implored the constables to search and ascertain whether their wives had been removed, wives for their husbands, parents for their children. A cart was procured, and the empty coffins were placed upon it in such a manner as to be most conspicuous to view. Lighted torches were held by some of the party, which swelled upwards of a thousand people. The assembly made their way to the magistrates at Union Hall. The magistrate could only join in his regret to those of the complainants, without being able to address the actual grievance. Another story in 1824 shows that even cadavers of babies were not protected from grave robbers. From the Perthshire Courier, December 1824, Missing Baby A man lately died possessed of a considerable property. A woman who lived with him in character of a housekeeper has, since his decease, attempted to prove herself as his widow. For want of better evidence to establish their claim, she pleaded to having a dead-born child from the deceased ten months ago. Doubt as to the validity of the housekeeper's plea caused the infant's grave to be opened yesterday in the presence of an eyewitness. To their astonishment, the coffin contained, instead of a human body, a quantity of dough mixed with ashes. One happy circumstances where the presence of resurrectionists actually saved a man from dying a slow death, entombed in his coffin, takes place in 1824. In this story, John McIntyre, in April 1824, was actually saved by grave robbers. McIntyre had the misfortune to be buried alive. The body snatchers were on his track, took him up and sold him to the doctors to be dissected, and a curious old broadside penny paper of the time exists telling the tale of his wonderful experience and sensations on finding himself buried alive and then taken up again in a strange way. A mysterious illness had fully paralysed him with an appearance of death, although he remained fully conscious. He remembers his death being confirmed and his family mourning him. He was fully awake during his burial wake and he watched as he was sealed in his coffin and buried. He described hearing the clods of dirt falling upon his coffin tomb and then silence in the dark entombed in his coffin. Several hours later he heard digging and a gang of grave robbers broke into his coffin and pulled his body out. From here they stripped him and delivered his body to a local university. John described being placed onto a dissection table with students and doctors surrounding him. He felt the knife slice his chest and he awoke. Doctors realising they were not dealing with a corpse, helped to revive him, and he fully recovered. This story from 1829 is an interesting twist on grave robbing, 
as the body theft actually took place from a house before the body could be buried. In 1829, James Bell was transported for life for his conviction of stealing a body from a house. The body had been laid out in the house waiting for a coroner's jury to officially pronounce cause of death. From the Newgate Calendar, 1829. Bell, on the 17th of December, 1829, was placed at the bar at the Maidstone Assizes before Mr. Baron Garrow, under a charge of burglariously breaking and entering the dwelling house of Daniel Reday at Deptford, and stealing therein a shirt, a worsted comforter, and the body of a man whose name was unknown. It appeared that Daniel Reday was a lodging house keeper at Deptford, an unfortunate man had come to lodge in his house shortly before the 20th of November, and on the 19th died suddenly. His body was laid out in a back room with the shirt on and the comforter round his neck until a coroner's jury could sit on them. In the course of the night of the 20th, the prosecutor was alarmed by a noise in the room of the dead man. Not choosing to examine him in the cause from within, he went out of the house and soon perceived a ladder placed up against the window of the room in which the corpse was deposited, and four men, of whom the prisoner was one, on the ladder. In his hurry to apprehend them, he ran against the ladder, and the whole four, with the corpse, the comforter, and the shirt, came to the ground. Three of the four men made a successful retreat, but the prisoner was taken into custody. The jury found him guilty, and Mr. Baron Garrow, after having commented upon the heinous nature of his crime, aimed as it was at the best interests of society, sentenced him to be transported for life. We finish this review of Resurrectionists with an excerpt what can only be called The Dead Men's Petition to Parliament. Publication date unknown. To the Honourable the House of Commons, the petition of all dead bodies now interred in the different churchyards of London and its environs must humbly showeth that your petitioners and your petitioners' ancestors since the establishment of Christianity have ever considered as a sacred deposit not to be touched by the hands of humans cutting our human carcass butchers. That many of your petitioners' brethren in death have, for no earthly crime whatsoever, been torn from their peaceful sepulchres in the dead of night by a set of robbers vulgarly called the Resurrection Men, in order to be openly exposed, cut up, and made into skeletons by the said cutting and human carcass butchers, contrary to all the fine feelings of the mind and to every principle of that respect which is due 
to the last retreat, if human. That concludes this News of the Times episode of The Resurrectionists. We really hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and tell your friends. Subscription really helps us. We are aiming for 1,000 subscribers. There is no cost to you and it really helps to support us. Just tap on the subscribe button that pops up if you have not already done so. We upload longer Regency or Victorian crime stories three times a week with shorter Victorian stories on other days to give a flavour of the times. For our podcast listeners, you can see this podcast with the associated pictures on our YouTube channel at News of the Times. And you can find the link in the show notes. Thank you again for watching and listening. This has been News of the Times, and I am Robin Coles.